passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Rewind the dynamite from the most recent sight. A-W, lighting up the fuse. Sit back and enjoy the bubbly. As we hear from John and Waiting. Where we're going, we don't need roads. And if the bug stops here, this thing might blow. Everything you hear, opinions of the show. And if you don't like it, go to the forums and let them know. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rewind a Dynamite. I'm John Pollock, along with Wei Ting. What's going on, John? I'm doing some great reflections into what has just happened. Not a care in the world about what is to come in the next few days. How are you? Oh, living in the moment. Living in the present. Living in the moment, yes. All right. That's good. That's a good way to be, apparently. Don't worry about yesterday, and tomorrow isn't here yet, so this is all you've got. Now. So so what, what are you feeling right at this moment? Um, I'm feeling uh, that I never want to get thrown through a windshield. That's what I'm thinking right this moment. Mm. I never want to get powerbombed through a windshield. And if I do, man, do I hope that a friend of mine is chilling out in the trunk just in case. It's always good to have a spare friend in the That's trunk. the best. Someone yeah. who just will hang out there the whole time and be ready. D- of the course. The exact moment that your other buddy's about to lose his head with a pipe. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So we we shall talk about all that. Um, but how was your day? Uh, today is rather busy. There's a lot of news we're going to get into. That, that essentially... The news of the day... On these Wednesdays or Mondays, that's my day. That's my day for everybody. It's like the longer it takes us to get through the news, uh, extrapolate that, and and it's like multiple hours. So that's that's my day. Is the the news rundown today? Yeah. Uh, so we shall get to it. I. Uh, How was your Wednesday? Well, I had a big Wednesday, John, because I had the Popeyes spicy chicken sandwich. Which apparently oh, made is this a, the, is this a sandwich everyone was fighting over at one time? Yeah, I believe so. They 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 made a big deal about it finally coming to Canada. Like Canada was without this. I mean, you know, we enjoy free healthcare, great, but now <laughs> I think we could finally you know feel feel like we're balanced, like we're equal with our American neighbors. We have, and I guess we're going to need it because this spicy chicken sandwich. Let me tell you, it is huge. It's a massive sandwich. I don't know where they're finding these chickens. I don't know where Popeye's getting making these chickens. Um, I don't want to ruin anything for you. <laughs> it's it, they're they're massive. It's a delicious sandwich. But I will tell you, I had this thing probably at about like four thirty this afternoon. Oh God! It's about ten thirty right now. I'm still tasting the salt on my tongue. Oh. I think I think the the salt like 
embedded itself into my taste buds and it's slowly releasing throughout the day. So I'm, uh, I'll be drinking water throughout the, the course of this um, podcast, even more so than usual, but it was delicious. Well, I'm glad it was worth the agony afterward. I've never gone to Popeye's ever. Really? Wow. No. You're not much of I a mean, junk there's... food person, period, though. I'm not, but I mean, there's, uh, I guess like Popeye's, they're not rare in Toronto. I guess there is not as widespread. Like when I grew up, there was one in my general area, and that was the only one I was aware of. And I guess there's more downtown now, but I don't, I don't always see, I don't always run into uh, a Popeye's, and I've just never gone. So, oh, uh, you're you missing out. You have not out. sold me on it. <laughs> you have not sold me on it uh, with this. Did you ever uh, have the double seven. down? No, never. Oh, that you never even did disgusting. that. Disgusting. Yeah, yeah I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think this is your game. Yeah, this is definitely not. I am the furthest thing from Megabyte Ronnie. Uh, yes, yes. Did is he a fried chicken eater? Yeah, he, I thought he was a cake guy. Oh, he'll eat anything. I mean, you should right. really. I, 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 I actually have like a curiosity to watch like videos of competitive eating, but would have no desire to partake myself. No, I mean, I, I sometimes like forget to eat, so I'm like the, yeah. Uh, I'm pretty good at fasting. I can go. I can go a long time without eating. Is that something to be proud of? No, it's just a random trivia note that I can, if I have to. I mean, there comes a point everyone's got to eat. But I mean, if I got, if I was like uh, stuck on an island somewhere, I think I could go a day. I I could be okay for a day, and then it would be. I think you go. I think you. It's all mental. You go through a period where you're starving. And if you get past that, then it goes away. And then it's really all, it's you versus yourself. That's that's all hunger is. And then after that? Well, eventually you got to eat. I mean, don't don't try this theory yeah. out. Just Eventually uh, you die. Well, spoiler. But anyway, uh, I'm glad you tried this. Will there be a repeat eating of this thing? Or was this a one-time only experiment? Um, Maybe like next year, you know? Like it's it's... I, I enjoyed it. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe in a year. I went to our good friend Mike's uh, store the other day, the BMV. How is Mike? He wasn't there. He is, uh, Mike is not great. Uh, mm. uh, Mike is nursing a very bad injury and uh, we wish him a speedy recovery. Uh, he's got, got like a broken tibia, I believe. He's pretty much grounded. He's at home. So A skateboarding uh, injury from what I hear. Yes. I think it's yes. the Tony Hawk's Pro Skater hysteria. They re-released Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. I guess so, and it's it's nailed its first victim, Mike Murray. So he's been prescribed a, uh, a diet of G1 for the next month, and that's what he's going to be doing. So a uh, safe, safe uh, or a speedy recovery for Mike. Yes, yeah, so wish, wish at Scarborough Dad well, everybody. Uh, um, it, it, in all honesty, it, it sounded like really bad, so... Uh, hopefully he's he's on the path to recovery and uh, um, maybe the G1 will make him feel better. Maybe Mike is online scouring for some online sales. Do you know of any? Well, yes, I do, of course, because it is G1 season. And you know what that means? That means sale at the t- post-wrestling store, store.postwrestling.com. Uh, let's do this weekend. The opening weekend of the G1, 
we will be giving a 25% discount on any item in the store from Friday to Monday. Uh, so store.postwrestling.com promo code. It's your cue, John. Oh, you're letting me come up with the yeah. promo code? The promo yeah. code is Y-U-J-I-R-O. Yujiro. Oh, lovely. I like it. Promo code Yujiro, 25% off any item in the store. We got t-shirts from Post Pro Res, the Rocky My Via Picture Show, our Marvel MCU reviews, the Post Wrestling logo, uh, and soon to come, maybe even a t-shirt representing the latest addition to the Post Wrestling lineup, Bushby and Thompson's Wrestling Adventure. This far surpasses Bill and Ted. This is a way more intriguing adventure and way more relevant in 2020. Martin Bushby, Andrew Thompson, a phenomenal uh, piece of artwork that the wrestling podcast landscape has has uh, been given from these two. Yeah, that show debuts next week. It is a regular rotating part of the British Wrestling Experience feed as the British Wrestling Experience itself goes into a monthly uh, rotation. Uh, but we'll cross post it on our post main feed too, so to make sure you guys will get to sample it and you won't miss it. Uh, but as uh, as we progress into the fall, we all have released our updated fall schedule, so you can find that at postwrestling.com slash subscribe. And you can also find all the ways you can subscribe to the channel. You can set your mental DVRs for when to download the next edition of Post ProRes or whatever uh, whatever is coming out this week. So check that out. Or also on our social media channel. Also, a shout out to Chris Madison, who is the uh, did the artwork for uh, Bushby and Thompson's wrestling adventure. I think this thing's great. So a real great job by Chris designing that. I'm looking forward to it very much, uh, as well as uh, all the shows that are coming up. So uh, beyond all that, of course, we have our usual lineup of shows. And uh, let's not forget what is coming up. And not even listed on our new schedule, but what's listed on the Up Next Patreon. Those guys have uh, like so much coming out. And to give you a sample of that, we will be posting on our free feed, on the main post feed, their recent edition of Best Match Ever. Or is it Greatest Match Ever? Best Match Ever. Best Match Ever. Best Match Ever uh, that they did with John recently. All about Stan Hansen. So you can find that on our feed probably sometime tomorrow afternoon, just to sample the Up Next uh, Patreon. Yes, go check out uh, all of their work. And then for us, we've got uh, lots of stuff coming up. We'll be live Friday night with Rewind to SmackDown, 10.15 Eastern Time for Cafe members. And then we're into the G1 season Saturday. Way and I will have a show out right after the A Block show, as well as Sunday after the B Block show. If you're a Cafe member, you will get every one of the G1 shows, 19 in total over the next month. So it all begins on Saturday. Lovely. Awesome. Uh, as we mentioned in the store, do you want to give a shirt away right now? Let's do it. The winner of this week's t-shirt. Way is is going in. He's going deep. He um, is. Well, rather than choosing like a like a number or something, why don't you give me a letter? P. Okay. Letter P. And then uh give now give me a number between one to four. Three. Okay. Now give me um give me 
uh color purple purple okay um so basically i'm just go- going through like this back end of our patreon and i'm uh doing a really roundabout way of randomly choosing somebody so the first purple color avatar i see might as well be this. This is close enough. This is more of a maroon, but it's the closest thing I think we have to purple here. Congratulations to... Oh, wait. This one's not going to work. Oh. <laughs> this is your... This okay, is your, then skip. This is your, your wife's dad. So, um... I don't know if we should... Would he want a shirt? No, he wouldn't. Okay. Okay, well, uh, I'm going to pick the That's person... That's amazing, though, that we actually picked that. That's incredible. Well, uh, we were really close to your wife winning the other day, so I, I guarantee you this is not rigged, everybody. But I'm going to pick the person right next to your uh, John's wife's dad, and that is Patrick. Patrick, no last name. Congratu- oh, Patrick Lane, okay? I just outed you. Patrick Lane from New York. Congratulations to you. New I'm York. Gonna send, I'm going to send you a message. Uh, you should thank John's wife's dad for... Um, taking the spot right next to you because we're not sending him a prize instead it's going to you i mean i picked it i mean uh, i think i deserve all the credit for this person getting this prize i mean pretty much yeah it was my it was my systematic breakdown with the color purple the letter the number i mean come on congratulations patrick you are the proud winner of a new item from store.postwrestling.com check out the sale code word ujiro uh, going on all weekend long if you want to go score some post-wrestling merchandise. I mean, a great time to load up for the fall season with a new, a whole new wardrobe courtesy of our store. Lovely. Yes. All right. Let's move on. Uh, we have a few news items here. The first one here, um, I'm not going to like break down this whole thing because there are a lot of details attached to this and it's involving uh, Matt Riddle who had filed uh, for a restraining order against uh, the wrestler Candy Cartwright, real name Samantha uh, Tavel. And for a whole breakdown of this case, um, there's a link to it in today's update uh, from David Bixenspan's reporting, or you can just go to babyfacevheel.substack.com. And I'll try to just give you the Coles notes here that uh, Riddle and his lawyer, they had filed a complaint uh, seeking a restraining order and making uh, multiple allegations against uh, Tavel from uh, committed stalking to uh, making threats and harassment um, uh, threats or using weapons, uh, destroying personal property. These were all listed in the allegations. Uh, Tavel, who did note that she, in her defense, was aided by the Time's Up Legal Defense Fund, uh, had legal representation, and they filed for a uh, for a motion to dismiss the petition. And they essentially like laid out uh, a lot of these uh, claims. And David Bixenstein did a lot of research into kind of you know what what holds up here, what is there evidence of. There was one about. Samantha Tovel posting, if you remember those screenshots from Matt Riddle's wife stating that her phone number was initially displayed and then later it was shown where it was redacted on the screenshot. So that's kind of been uh, disputed if th- that was actually posted originally or not. Uh, some people had been alluding to the fact online that that had been there and deleted. Uh, anyway, it's a very uh, complex uh, breakdown, but in closing, they were set to go and have the hearing 
And then just around 36 hours beforehand, uh, Riddle and his lawyer uh, withdrew their request. They they asked for a uh, they voluntarily asked for it to be dismissed, I guess, feeling that they did not have a strong enough case and that perhaps they would be left with legal fees and court costs. So it is not uh, moving forward. But that was all to happen. And another weird aspect to the story is that prior to the withdrawal of this uh, attempt to get the restraining order is that promo that happens at payback. So not to say there was any defense for that promo, but on top of it, Riddle's in the middle of this as they're taking like a vague reference to this case and using it for entertainment purposes for a heel promo. Mm -hmm. And I know that's not the, the front and center focus of this, but it just makes that promo even more um, just ridiculous and irresponsible to be throwing that out when this guy is in the midst of uh, a legal case here. But I mean, they, they withdrew it. So um, I know that uh, Candy Cartwright did uh, tweet about this uh, as well. So uh, I don't know where this case goes from here other than, you know, Riddle, you know, withdrew his attempt to get a, a restraining order. And again, I would uh, send everyone to check out David Bixensman's reporting. It's it's pretty thorough and it goes through all the details, some of them very, uh, you know, goes very deep into all of the details about this story if you want to have a, a better uh, deep dive into it. So check out David Bixensman's reporting. A name that not too many people may be familiar with um, but a big power player at NBC Universal is Chris McCumber. And Deadline, I believe, was the first one to report this. He was serving as the president of the USA Network and Sci-Fi. And he announced that he will be leaving the company. He's not leaving right away. I guess he's going to stick around for this transitional period. But he was outlined as kind of the point person for as that bridge between the USA Network and and WWE. And he had been the president of the USA Network going back to 2011. He was instrumental in the negotiations that led to Raw getting that enormous increase in rights fees. And from here, uh, it's expected that a woman by the name of Susan Rovner would be coming into NBC Universal. This was reported by The Hollywood Reporter uh, to oversee the entertainment channels, which would include the USA Network uh, with Jeff Bader in charge of program planning for their six cable properties. So uh, that looks to be a bit of kind of the new power structure in place at the USA Network. So much like the Kevin Riley uh, situation at TNT, maybe this is going to be a seamless transition and we don't see any kind of changes, but you know, this sounds like someone that was very instrumental with WWE, was a champion for WWE. Um, WWE is very valuable to the USA Network to the point that I don't think one person leaving is going to significantly alter that. But it comes with questions, not the least of which is if you have a new regime coming in with new ideas, new thoughts, is there a different philosophy about NXT that we've been talking about Um because I think it's an interesting time coming off these experimental Tuesday night shows as well. So, you know, just with this power change, if we're looking six to 12 months from now, is there any different kind of philosophy when it comes to WWE that has an enormous price tag and is it's, it's uh, different people that will be overseeing it? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard to tell from the outside without knowing really the personalities or the taste of like the people that are 
going to take over and uh, be put in, in charge at, at these TV channels. So it's something I guess we'll have to see uh, with time. But it's really hard. I, I can't see really Raw being like Raw is less than a year into a five year deal. It's something that significantly helps USA Network's primetime average. I'm not really looking at any. I'm more so kind of interested in if anyone comes in and looks at NXT and just if there's any difference in thought, like you would think that, um, you know, Chris McCumber would be someone like them and WWE were kind of in lockstep with how they're utilizing that program. Someone new is coming in. Is there going to be a different thought process? So it's some interesting questions, but no different than with Kevin Riley at TNT. I think it's too early to know what impact uh, a name like this leaving is is going to have, but noteworthy nonetheless that someone important who has been attached to WWE through USA Network for this long is planning to move on. Uh, what else do we have? Raw from Monday night going against Monday Night Football. They did 1,689,000 viewers. So they did see uh, a drop in audience, although in the demo, they were, they were up 2% uh, to a 0.50. Last week, we talked about Raw, and it did a really terrible number. And in a weird way, that kind of helped them. Because this week, everyone just compared it to last week. And instead, if we had been looking at the prior two weeks, coming off SummerSlam and Payback, the drop would have been so much heavier. Um, but instead, we were coming off a really weak Raw number last week. So there was a, even a bit of a bounce back when it came to uh, different segments of the audience. Um what really hurt Raw this week, amazingly, the the more the higher viewed NFL game was up against the first two hours of Raw, and the first two hours of Raw actually did fairly well. It was the third hour where there was a big drop, sixteen um, percent drop from the first to the third hour, and that was the hour that just seemed to uh, get significantly hurt in all the demographics. Um, NFL did uh, 10.7 million and 7.7 million, respectively, for that uh, doubleheader. Uh, but week to week uh, for WWE, they were up 26% with 18 to 34s. Young women were up 17%. Um, you take out that third hour, this is a much more uh, respectable number. So I would say, all things considered, um, you know, a Raw that it didn't get trounced by the NFL, which is maybe the best you can hope for. Next week, they will get NFL and NBA competition because the Celtics and Heat will be playing. Uh, in game four of their series next week. So it is uh, uh, double the competition next week. I think all in all, to me, it's a good sign and, and a sign that promoting matches in advance and trying to promote your show as something important for people to look forward to is never a bad thing. Um, I don't really know what steps they're taking for next week's show. And well, well, thus far zero. Uh, yeah. I guess we'll see on SmackDown. Like they did... We did get two match announcements the previous week on Raw, and then they added the bigger matches during SmackDown that they promoted hard. So we'll see if SmackDown, they use that time to really promote what's happening on Raw. Because as of now, we have nothing, correct? I don't think they promoted anything on Monday. It, uh, I can't remember right now. I can't contain so many wrestling shows in my head at the same time. I can only do one at a time. But um, I'm curious to know if they, they uh, subtitle this one. We had In Your Face, maybe like... How do you move on from the face? In your um, eyes? Um, in your nose. Uh, in your nose. Okay. Up your nose. Uh, under, un oh. Yeah. I mean, they could get vulgar. Um, yeah. But okay. maybe they, they won't be doing that. So, um, 
yeah, we will see what is up for Raw. But, um, you know, this is, I would say, like, 1.6 million is probably kind of going to be your range during this time. But, you know, what we saw four years ago was a big impact on Raw numbers and other viewership as well. Like, the, the NFL thought this was something that affected them. And that was the increased viewership on cable as the election season heated up. And we're going to be getting into a debate. And I think cable viewership is going to be astronomical over the next two months leading into the election. Uh, we'll see if that is uh, a factor when it comes to all cable being hurt because of a lot of people more focused on the news. Yeah, I, I mean, my, my first thought is, you know, how is the WWE going to capitalize on this on that, you know, on any sort of like pop culture current event. But I mean, I also think about mm -hmm. the real life ties to the situation and, and how really they've been staying away from it throughout the entire Trump term. So they probably no. won't. No, I mean, they didn't uh, four years ago. I don't think they're going to touch politics in this, yeah. this whole uh, period either. I mean, it's really, uh, it's the UFC that's, I mean, to be fair, UFC on their pro their actual programming, uh, they don't really get political. But man, you see those photo ops this week. Did you see those photos with Trump with all the guys that were there at that rally on Sunday? It looked ridiculous. Did not. No. Doing photo ops and everything. Uh, we had a passing on Tuesday. Jerry Brown, who was part of the very original incarnation of the Hollywood Blondes, along with uh, Dale Hay, who would later be uh, Buddy Roberts in the Freebirds. Uh, Jerry Brown was 83 years old. Uh, uh, he, him and Dale Hay, they got put together by uh, Bill Watts when Jerry Brown's original partner uh, broke his ankle and they got paired together. This was in uh, Louisiana and Mississippi when Watts first got to the territory and they ended up teaming uh, for seven years up until 1977. And after they left Watts territory, uh, they went uh, up here to Canada, to Montreal, to Grand Prix, to uh, Florida. They had a run in Los Angeles. They went to Tennessee. And then afterwards, uh, it was Jerry Brown teaming with Ron McFarlane as the Alabama chain gang, where they dressed up as uh, escapees from prison. You definitely have to see the getup that these two uh, competed in uh, together. But then, um, you know, he totally got out of the business in 84 and kind of fell off the fell off the radar, like all the, his friends and stuff. No one had heard of him. And then one day he was at uh, when Harley Race was running his shows in Missouri. He showed up unannounced and uh, reconnected with Ron McFarlane, who was uh, his partner later in his career and then did a bunch of, you know, conventions and stuff. And yeah, lived to be 83 years old. He had four children and died on Tuesday. Uh, so if you want to, yeah. Well, uh, first, our condolences, of course. Never, um, you know, easy to like discuss any, any, any man's passing. But I encourage everybody to right now Google Alabama, Alabama chain gang wrestlers. To see oh, did, you, did they come up? Yeah. To see the outfits that these two used to wrestle in. Oh my goodness! I feel this is a a gimmick. You know, for all the Hollywood blonde incarnations we got after the originals, I'm surprised we never got a insert state here chain gang that I think could go over very well on the indies. Well, I mean, you look at it. There's nothing necessarily Alabama like about this outfit. It's just, um, well, let me describe it to you. I mean, it is essentially a referee stripe shirt. 
but extend that to the pants and the tights and the mask. So these people are just wearing, <laughs> like, stripes. As if, like, in prison, they would somehow pass this on as some sort of prisoner outfit. Um, I love it. It's great. NXT TakeOver is confirmed for Sunday, October the 4th. This was announced a few weeks ago. Uh, it was reported by PW Insider, but confirmed today by WWE. Uh, neither of us have seen uh, NXT yet, so I, I can't even comment. Uh, I would assume they've at least started. Uh, well, they've got to. They've got three episodes to promote this TakeOver. I think this is way too fast to be coming back with a TakeOver, but we've got one coming up October the 4th. Was that one of the announcements? Well, they announced this earlier in the day. I don't even know what the announcements were tonight. I was so uh, focused on AEW. So, um, well, listen to up next, and well, I'm sure we'll find out um, later. Yes. What do you think about this quick turnaround? I feel we just we just got through Takeover. I mean, I have to imagine it's like it, it's probably done for some sort of uh, other reason. You know, creatively, I wonder if if this would have been the first choice for uh, the NXT. You know. Um, uh, leadership uh we know how they like to take their time to build to these things and coming back so soon with another one um i wonder what other purpose it's trying to fulfill uh we have uh daniel cormier uh two stories involving daniel cormier the first of which is he discussed how he got covid19 in july so he's just a few weeks out from this fight with stipe miocic and this is the craziest story. Are you familiar with an aura ring? No. So it's these these smart oh. rings. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. So anyway, they're smart rings that you wear and it monitors like your heart rate and your temperature and stuff. You just read it and then it hooks up to your like it's Bluetooth enabled. And it monitors all this stuff for you. So a training partner of his tested positive, And a week later, he started to feel sick. And I guess he originally tested negative, I believe. And then his aura ring showed that he there was an increase in his resting heart rate, a big increase in his heart rate variability, and then a rise in his temperature. So he was tailoring back his training, seeing these signs and listening to his body. And it turns out he ended up testing positive uh, on like a week after this. So what he did was he spent like $5,000 to test him and his team and turned his garage into a bubble. He said he didn't break any rules of his quarantine. Although I don't know if training in your garage for a championship fight is what they mean when they tell you to quarantine for 14 days. But nevertheless... He had one guy to hold mitts for him because uh, the guy who volunteered to work with him already had had COVID-19. So he ended up July 25th. He finally tested negative. So that's three weeks before the fight. Uh, but he was very adamant in stating this had no impact on the fight for him. Stipe beat me. He was the better man. But what an insane story of, you know, throughout July that here this guy has COVID-19 as he's getting ready for one of the biggest fights of his career. It's, uh, it's nuts. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I still think back to like March when we heard, oh man, Tom Hanks has it. And the, the fear that, that, it, that instilled in everybody, you know, like all of a sudden, like Tom Hanks, somebody we know 
like as if we're like one degree separated from Tom Hanks. Now it's like every weekend we hear about a celebrity getting COVID. Um, like Booker T announced that he tested like positive um, for, I, I guess it would have been like he was positive previously, but he only found out recently. Yeah, um, back in June he said he had it. Now it's just like, oh, okay. Uh, it, it seems to be at least in in WWE what we're seeing is I, I guess Booker T. I mean, he's saying he just got the results recently, but for AJ, for instance, it seems it's like they'll they'll state it once it's it's over and done with. It's not something they're actively uh, dealing with. Um, yeah, well, the Rock maybe too. the Rock too. I mean, he announced it like after um, the you know once he said like we were in recovery and through the worst of it. So, yeah, um, that's a crazy story. Um, I, I suppose if, if you have, you know, that much riding on a, a one particular fight, you would think about doing something like that, you know, buying, spending any amount of money for testing to make sure that you, you proceed with this fight. I mean, I, what would, what was like, he was being tested before or was he just getting tested like as part of a, I don't know, random thing. Well, it's, it was, well, it was a partner of theirs got, was positive on July 1st. And then, you know, there was the fear of the others getting it. And I'm, I'm fairly certain it, he tested negative initially, but he was worried because of what he was getting from th- this data from his ring and that he oh, right, had yes. the telltale signs this, this is and he great, went by this. It's a great ad for the Ura ring. Well, it totally is. Like every article has this like name of of this ring thing. We're talking about it. So, uh, but his point was that had he not kind of pulled back on his training and he had just continued, he could have. He was asymptomatic and he could have gotten all of his partners sick as well. And instead, he just tailored everything back and listened to uh, the dad on his ring and how his body was feeling. Yeah, or worse, you know, like, I mean, the man is, of course, in great condition, seemed to be able to combat the disease without much issue, if any. Uh, but if you're asymptomatic, passing it on to somebody who couldn't, that, of course, is still the, the big concern. He was also asked about potentially working with WWE and his answer. This was to Justin Barrasso at SI.com. We've been talking. We've spoken to some of the people over there in very, very early conversations. WWE is a company I've watched and loved my entire life. Put me at the commentary table. Let me call the matches for six months and tell you how great these wrestlers are in the ring. I would love that. And I wouldn't be faking it. WWE is something I've loved my entire life. Then, after those six months, what if I'm sitting next to Michael Cole and Roman comes over and smacks the microphone out of my hand? But I'm an announcer. Will I hit him back? Then you're asking if this will happen or not. That's what I want. That slow build, the type of story you want to see and your heart feels like it's going to explode while you're waiting for it. Give me the slow build. Let it simmer. This may be very, very early conversations, but this dude sounds like this is something he very much wants to do. Oh, he's got his WrestleMania program set up. Sounds like he's got his like next year mapped out and his pro wrestling, you know, um, extreme wrestling. uh, What is it? Retribution. What is that video game? (laughs) uh, I have no idea. Extreme Warfare Revenge, whatever you call that thing. Oh, EWR. Okay, yes, yes. I was I was gonna say he's definitely got his WWE diplomacy down because he very easily could have just said, "I don't want them to 
bullshit me like they did with Kane. I want the long build. You're not just throwing me for a quick payday in Saudi Arabia. Ooh, yeah. Um, I mean, once he comes in, I think it's inevitable that, you know, the conversation steers towards that direction. I mean, Pat McAfee really has kind of set the template for a pro athlete joining the commentary desk and then moving on to, you know, greatly exceed expectations in ring. So I'm sure Cormier would be prime candidate. And it sounds like, if anything, this this is at least, I don't know, something we can look forward to with him, um, even even just as a fantasy. Yeah, I think that there is an easy role for him, like to introduce him on Fox. He's the third the third guy in the booth. I mean, WWE, they were in love with their three-man booths, and we've had a two-man on SmackDown. Like you just plop him in there and that's your introduction. Um we'll see. I think it I, I think that's one it really just comes down to uh Cormier and how much he's willing to do it for. Cause I think WWE would bend over backwards to work with him. You really think so, John? Cause like I I mean, Brock is is one thing. I would say Kane is maybe one thing too because like he's got the size. Of course, Cormier has a size, but when you put him next to like a WWE wrestler, he doesn't necessarily look as big or like intimidating. You know, physically intimidating. I only oh, ask- he'd, he'd have to get Keith Lee's outfit because they'd be worried. He's like, oh, he's got a bit of a belly. Well, that's it. Like I I I ask because how does Vince McMahon see this guy? Yeah, you can tell him, okay, this guy's a UFC World Heavyweight Champion. Does that mean anything to him? I think Daniel Cormier has such charisma that I think he would. I think yeah, he would but win charisma over, in MMA. Skeptic. Charisma in MMA doesn't mean the same thing as no, charisma not just not a, just charisma in MMA. Have promo. you seen this guy on? Uh, it's you're right, you're right. Um, but you're not scripted on commentary, and I think his personality would absolutely you kind come of through are. on that. You kind of are scripted on commentary. They're telling you exactly. What it's a say. different environment. It, it is very different. I listen for Cormier. I think after six months, I think he will want off commentary. Uh, oh, yeah. Because that has been the fatal flaw for many people that have come in. And if you want to kill someone's uh, love of the industry, commentary is a fast way to do it. I mean, ask Renee Young, what was the, the worst part of your time in WWE? I think she'll tell you the commentary. I think she hated that period. They want people to play the role that they have in their head. They don't necessarily want people to, like, I don't know, like be themselves. And I, I just, I, I wonder, I don't know if Cormier would be a good fit there. NXT would be a different story, but um, yeah, I, I, I don't know if this fantasy that he has, has in his mind will necessarily, you know, be that easy to, to play out. Well, that was a, another news item today. Wade Barrett has signed a one-year deal with an option to extend. And he's the, the permanent third voice on NXT. For one year. One year. Yes. Yeah. Uh, final thing. On Tuesday night, the United Wrestling Network launched their primetime live series. This is the uh, Tuesday night pay-per-view concept. And I sat down at uh, whatever time it started, 9 o'clock. I ordered the pay-per-view. And I, like many, had some enormous streaming problems. And I eventually had to tap out after a half hour. Um, It seems to be that was the prevailing... Uh, complaint coming out of this show that it was just a mess. Um, it was constant buffering for me. On two occasions, it just completely crashed. I got the 404 numbers of doom uh, as I was uh, kicked off, and it was just at, at a point that there's no way I can review this. It was just uh, such a difficult. Uh, I mean, task that, that becomes the watch you. It. it is, and that's why I'm talking about it now because that to me was for a. If you were 
here, here, here's my situation. It's like, I can look at Tuesday night and it's like, what am I going to watch? I can't watch everything tonight. Like there was contender series going on. There's dark, there's impact, but I was like, this is their first show. I want to check this out. And it was frustrating for me because, you know, a half hour in, it's like, I can't even watch this thing. And it's, it's not at all about the money. I, I could care less, but I bought this thing and it's just, the commitment, it's you you carve out this period of time, and it's a 90-minute show, which I like the fact it's that length, but if you can't even have the confidence that if you're going to carve out that time, you're even going to get to watch the show, I think that's really tough for your audience, and I think it's going to be that much tougher next week for people to give this a second try. Um, I say next week, like, they have to have a, f- a flawless broadcast, and I would argue, like, does this have to be done live? Um, it's an empty arena setting. And to me, that's just adding more complications uh, as opposed to, you know, put this up on like a VOD or something where you can at least somewhat mitigate uh, streaming issues. And uh, David Marquez had said it was on fight's end. Uh, a fight representative was responding to uh, complaints stating it was a problem from the building. So, I mean, ultimately fans don't care whose problem it was. It was just, you couldn't watch the stream that night. And, you know, I think that there is a, a certain leniency you give for smaller companies, but it's 2020. And I think that the patience level for streaming issues is not high. Yeah. I mean, as somebody who deals with like streaming issues on a weekly basis, uh, I can definitely uh, empathize, but I, at the same time, I completely agree with you, especially if, you know, this was supposed to be a big thing for, for the NWA. You know, we, we hadn't heard from um, really a lot of their participants for months. And this was to be a big step back and, and already a big ask for, of, of its audience, not just to carve out that time, but to spend money on something that, you know, like I would only expect the diehards to really have, have uh, to, to, to even consider doing and to be a diehard fan, to dedicate yourself like that, and then to be um you know be, be presented with really unfortunate technical issues i mean it's 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 a bad look for everybody so this stuff happens yes um there's you know it's it shouldn't but uh when it does what i always look at is how do these companies handle the pr how do you deal with it do you how do you tackle the issue what is your make good and we saw like nick aldis you know at least mention it speak about it apologize yep. for it that's very important um and I think you have to go a step further, you know, I mean, it gets people uh, at the very least. I, like- I would take, I would take the first show uh, that's on fight. And I understand that maybe there are, are con- this also aired on regular pay-per-view on in demand. So it wasn't just fight TV. Uh, and that's why they had the hard out uh, after it's you- 90 minutes and they had timing problems too. And you had to race through the main event. Oh. The main event was like eight or nine minutes. I didn't get that far, but what, did you, would- so was it good? Like, did you hear if the main event was at least a good match? I, I I haven't seen it, so I can't right. really comment on the match, but it just, like, they had to race to the end. But uh, my, my point was, if they contractually can, I'm putting the show up for free yeah. on YouTube tomorrow uh, so people can at least see the show and do a hard sell for next week. I think it's going to be tough enough to get people to pay money for this every Tuesday night. I would be going above and beyond, and if I if I'm contractually able to, I'm giving this show away. Yeah, you take it, you turn a negative into a positive, and you show that you know, uh, yeah, we made a mistake. Uh, here's how we're going to make it up to everybody: give the thing away for free for people who are at least curious. I mean, that is, of course, if you're proud of the show. If 
if you're not proud of the show, then maybe consider giving access to your next one for free on a reliable service like your YouTube channel that you've already built up a real big following for. So, um, yeah, it sucks, but it also might present an opportunity to show, you know, how how you treat these things. All right, you can go check out all of the news at postwrestling.com. Quite a bit of it to get through tonight. Um, well, we have our announcements. Uh, do, do you want to look at these, uh, these NXT announcements? Yeah, uh, we, let's go. Uh, oh, okay. It's n- Next week, there's going to be a, a gauntlet match. What, what, this is from Andrew. Coming out of the William Regal 16- is going to host a talent show. Are you kidding? Yeah, I am. Because that was Cody's announcement last week. Oh, that's right. That's right. Uh, Coming out of the September 16th episode of NXT, it was announced that next week, new challenges for both the NXT title and NXT women's title will be determined. Starting with the men's title, the new challenger to Finn Balor's title will be determined by a gauntlet eliminator match where two men start in the ring every four minutes, another one enters, and the only way to be eliminated is by pinfall or submission. Last one gets the title shot. On the women's front, uh, it will feature... Um, Rhea Ripley, Casey Catanzaro, Indy Hartwell, Aaliyah, Dakota Kai, Candice LeRae, Tegan Knox, Shotzi Blackheart, Raquel Gonzalez, Caden Carter, and Zia Lee in a battle royal, and the winner will move on to face Io Shirai for the women's title. So, uh, and they're doing Jake Atlas against Tommaso Ciampa next week. So, uh, that I guess will be your top two matches at TakeOver the winner of the Gauntlet and the winner of the Battle Royal for the respective singles titles. Okay. All right. Yeah, I was hoping that it would be like major announcement. Like William Regal is going to be the special judge on. I would way <laughs> re- prefer Regal as the judge on Go Big Show. That would be wonderful. Yes. Okay. Uh, final thing I wanted to uh, just send uh, once again well wishes to uh, Jim Valley, mm-hmm. our friend at the uh, Wrestling Observer website. Uh, sadly, he is back on a ventilator again. So. Uh, both of us uh, have him in our thoughts, and I'm hoping he makes uh, a recovery. He's been through uh, a terrible period, so we're hoping that he is uh, comes out the other end of this okay. 100%, yes. Okay, on we go to Dynamite. This was a taped show, and you know what was amazing that I didn't even think of until starting the show tonight is that we had a taped show from last week with fans, and I did not see any spoilers. Did you? Uh, I didn't, and you, you're right. Yeah, like I mean, some of these like uh, tape shows that they've done, of course, were in front of empty arenas, so or empty crowds, um, or at least like only their performers and staff. So, yeah, I didn't didn't see any spoilers. I wasn't really looking for them either, but I didn't see them. Seemed like uh, tonight's show, no spoilers and no masks. That seemed to be uh, the consistency in the upper deck. No, 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 no. I, I should differentiate on the on the floor with the wrestlers, not not fans. That's always fans had the case, masks. though, right? I feel we were at a period, though, where we were getting like me- a lot more mask wearing among the wrestlers. Well, I guess it just comes and goes. Um, yeah. This virus doesn't come and go, but hey, it doesn't. I don't know. No. I'm a broken record at this point. So whatever. FTR against Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy non-title match that kicked things off. But before the match began, the Young Bucks came out. And super kicked referee Mike Posey and the Bucks made their way to the back. And we got a rare appearance of Tony Khan as they threw a wad of cash at Tony Khan, uh, paying their fine forward, I guess, as they exchanged some words with FTR walking past. And that was our only appearance from the Bucks on the show. 
They did this on BT as well. I mean, they just they opened Tony Khan's The door. BT one was even better because he just like made it rain in Tony's room for him to come in and we'd have to pick up bill by bill. This was at least yeah. it was like a sealed stack of bills. This is pretty badass. You know, you come in, you don't say a word, you super kick a referee and then you throw cash at the boss. Um, I, I, I mean, they're acting heelish, but of course they are still baby faces um, because how could you not? cheer for something like this this badass uh but you know it just to me continues to build up the the bucks do mean streak are they super kicking tony is that where we're going to i hope not i mean i i really i think they should be like really careful with their tony con appearances you know like for something like this it totally works it's fine but he shouldn't be involved in angles he shouldn't be kicked he shouldn't be like i agree that's too much so paul turner is out to replace mike posey and FTR, they double-team Luchasaurus. Um, great tag team match, I thought this was. Uh, yeah. Especially Jungle Boy. This, to me, was one of Jungle Boy's best, like, from beginning to end performances. He's just fantastic. Wheeler catches Jungle Boy with a power slam off a leapfrog attempt. They knee him in the ribs. There's a, a, a gourd buster delivered to Jungle Boy. And then a big clothesline. Uh, eventually, he... Fights back and gets to the corner, tags in Luchasaurus, who nails uh, FTR with a spinning wheel kick and roundhouse combo. Uh, there's this beautiful reversal by Jungle Boy into an inside cradle for a two count on Wheeler. And then a backslide. He's going through all these pin attempts, and you're just rooting for Jungle Boy to catch them on one of the, these attempts. Luchasaurus then dives at Cash Wheeler on the floor, misses, and goes over the guardrail. Su- uh, Tope Suicida by Jungle Boy. And then the end sees Cash Wheeler... Uh, pull Dax Harwood, who's in a sunset flip roll-up by Jungle Boy, pulls him up so that Harwood is on top with the reversal and holds his arm for leverage, pinning Jungle Boy at 12 minutes and 14 seconds. I, I love this opener. I thought it was really spectacular. Excellent tag match. I thought these two teams blended together really well. I think, like, FTR, you know, they, they come in here and they are very different from the other teams. But what they end up doing is they really temper, like, sort of the spot-festy style of a lot of the other teams. And, you know, we know, like, Jurassic Express, we've seen them in a million of these opening matches where the pace is just go, go, go. But here, the opening portion was a lot more structured. It was a lot more traditional. Heels beating up the smaller guy on the babyface team. And then when it's time for the near falls, when it's time for the comeback, then it's time to let your jungle boy and your luchasaurus like go crazy with their high spots. And I just thought it was really nice to see like, you know, a team like Jurassic Express get to work a more well-rounded match here. And like you said, John, jungle boy in particular, as a result, I thought really stood out. He was great in this match. Uh, FTR were, they, they were, they were great here. I just thought this was a, a great, great start to the show. They cut to Alex Marvez, who is uh, recovered from the super kick last week. But Matt Hardy is down. He's holding his right knee, and Private Party is checking on him. And then Jericho and Hager come in. They pretend to care, and they joke that they might have to amputate it. And they're making fun of Hardy, so presumably they killed Matt. And that's it. Matt would not be out there for the match with Private Party. You think he's gone now, like for a few weeks? Uh, they kind of set that up here, yeah. They set it up last week. He said he was going to go away. Yeah, didn't know why we even needed to do this. Uh, this well, whole they needed thing. a reason for the match, I guess. Maybe they needed to... Uh, they, they, I mean, there was no... I mean, make this more of a direct hit from Jericho and Hager rather than playing off the, the Guevara match. I guess it, it really didn't matter. But anyway, they did this, so match should be gone for a few weeks. Oh, it, I guess it makes sense why they attacked Matt Hardy, yeah. 
because of the Guevara connection. Mm. Kenny Omega is on commentary for Frankie Kazarian and Hangman Page. And I like this little detail that Excalibur was told that this was originally offered to both men as a tag match with Daniels and Kazarian against Page and Omega. And Omega would not confirm or deny this, but his focus is now on singles wrestling. And I thought like last week, it's like you get this singles announcement and it's kind of a, an odd announcement. And there's like this little storyline detail to it. I liked it too. I, I, I mean, the story is now there. This is a, a team that's broken up, a relationship that's over. Kenny wants to move on, but Paige wants to give it another shot. Kenny mm. wants to move on, but he also doesn't want his ex to be happy. And it was very frustrating for him <laughs> that his ex is moving on too. And right. Kenny was, I got the story and I liked the story. But sometimes Kenny is like it's it's way too over the top with like the the the, the acting. You thought it was here. Sometimes during this, I like, thought it, it was, was like okay. I thought it was like subtle. I, I know what you mean. Yes, like on BTE for sure. He almost plays like a different character on BTE. Oh, he wa he wasn't going crazy like that. Um, it was just a line or two here or there. But overall, like I like this story. I think it's a uh, it's interesting with Paige. And Omega here. It's I like it. Like I, I like it now. I I didn't, you know, like so. The Bucks don't care for revenge. I guess, eh? Like they're just they're they're kind of moving past Page and just focused on other things. And now it's just like Page and Omega. Right? Well, the and I'm not going to defend saying it's not been kind of all over the place because Omega and Page had like you had. Omega, like, not catch him, that visual from the end of the tag match, and then the guy's seething, and now we're going to, like, this, we're friends that are just moving on, like, this, it's almost like we've, we've dialed it down after having this really heated, um, well, outburst from Omega at the pay-per-view, and it's sort of like they're just going, that some weeks the there are three, it was the breakup, but now it's more like we're just, we're forgetting that conflict and it's being presented as just this kind of subtle breakup that we're having well i guess instead of building towards the conflict i mean i guess relationships emotions are a very complicated thing they're a roller coaster uh, this is a roller coaster yes uh kazarian and page had a very good match they went almost 14 minutes uh they were trading these huge blows page landed on his feet from a german and came back with a lariat and Omega acknowledges that, yes, me and Paige are still technically ranked number one among tag teams, but he just keeps throwing down any notion of teaming with Paige. It's just he's not interested. Uh, Kazarian hit the uh, the Tomikaze, or the Unprettier, onto Paige, and then Omega said, oh, this was the line that got me, was Omega was thinking this was it for Hangman, and Paige kicked out, and Omega goes... Oh, that's uh, that's the spot where I would uh, usually make the save, but uh, I guess Paige uh, did it himself on his own without me. That was the line that got me. Okay, it was like, is that okay. too much? I mean, I I think oh, that was, that's that's pretty laying it on thick. To <laughs> this is what you're supposed to think. I am jealous, and I am making it clear by saying that I'm okay with it. You know what they say? You got to make sure the person in the back row can hear it. Okay, you can see it, can see your facial expression, and you got to. I guess in this case, it's you got to make sure the people who are the worst at interpreting this type of stuff understand it too. Dude, 
let me tell you about Kenny's acting, okay? Oh uh, Kazarian hits a slingshot cutter. Page then catches him off the middle rope with a sit-out powerbomb. Uh, really great back and forth here. Kazarian then gets sent into the barricade, blocks the slingshot cutter, uh, Page does, and then he kicks Kazarian away from the ropes into the center, towards the center, and lands the buckshot lariat. Great finish, 1351. And Omega says, goodbye, good night," and leaves and just sulks to the back as Hangman is looking around and he's not even there to see him after the match. So Page has a uh, a beer by himself. Yeah, I mean, now I think like we're we're more firmly situated in sort of a, a path with these two and, and a, a clear focus in the storyline. It seems very reminiscent of, you know, probably what they would have gone on to do with the Golden Lovers had they had a proper breakup and you got to see, you know, the the results of, of maybe the next chapter in that storyline. Uh, but I'm on board. I feel this is building up to, you know, Kenny at the entrance, Hangman in the ring. They're staring at each other from 50 feet apart, and then it's silent. And, like, Adele starts playing. Which song? Uh, Hello. Hmm, okay. Cool. MJF came out with Wardlow, destroyed Sean Dean with a poke to the eye and the salt of the earth in seven seconds, doesn't release the submission, and Wardlow just dumps Dean to the floor. This is all just the setup for MJF to cut a promo. He is an honest man. Moxley cheated. He should be undefeated and be AEW champion. And from here on in, he is going to be referred to as the undefeated, undisputed, uncrowned champion of all elite wrestling. He makes Justin Roberts announce his new title and says that he didn't get a fair shake around here. And it doesn't seem you get one unless you have a group or a faction. And there seems to be a new one popping up every week. I've been the lone wolf, but maybe I need to join a wolf pack. Kevin Nash? Hall, Nash, Luger, Conan, who's coming in? Um, uh, I don't know if any of them should. Well, another group. I, I don't know if this guy needs a group, but we'll see. We haven't seen the execution of this, but... Wolfpack, interesting. Okay. Well, uh... It's it's a tease for his next direction as he moves on from from this title picture. Um, the uh, last week we had sort of like the thing with Wardlow, if you remember, John, where he was like threatened Wardlow with like firing him, and then Wardlow won't be able to provide for his family. Uh, we didn't really get uh, any follow up on that. That I guess is still a, a brewing story in the background. This was more like I think the type of performance you would have expected coming right directly after the loss to Moxley. So yeah, it was fine. Taz did his uh, breakdown of Ricky Stark's Rochambeau and Spear. And he looked at the two different grips that he can use for this Rochambeau based on body types. You can use the butterfly lock or the gut wrench grip. Either one will destroy Darby Allen. I like this one. I thought there was like actual, you know, like good technical breakdown in like a sporting sense here. Talking about the two different grips used for two different situations. Um... I don't know if that's something even like like Starks always considers or if it was just like something that he ha- ended up doing differently two different times and they picked up on it. I'm not sure, but it was actually a good breakdown. South Park would teach you the Rochambeau was a very different setup. I didn't watch that episode. Oh. 
Eddie Kingston and friends are in the ring. Again, he's going to say this every promo. He never lost the Battle Royal. He should be getting something instead of Archer or Moxley. He says we are not a f- stable or a faction. We're family. And this family, when we have a problem, we get violent. They are the agent of chaos, and they tell Butcher and Blade to find a victim. And they do. In comes Daniel Garcia, Kevin Blackwood, and Griff Garrison to get murdered by Phoenix and Penta L0M. And the final point, after the destruction of these three, Kingston tells the Blade to get his house in order. Yeah. Alluding to Ali and uh, very likely the natural... QT. I, I, th- I think QT is going to get a, a home invasion or something from the Blade and the Butcher, a home visit. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mean, they never really established. I mean, they, they like Eddie Kingston um, only alluded to Ali like probably a couple weeks ago in her relation to, to the Blade a couple weeks ago. I suppose like we know that they're, you know, they used to be a team together, Bunny and the Blade, but we, I guess they never mentioned that they're married. But of course, like you just mentioned it and we accept it fine. So what? Like, I guess they're broken up or they're, is he, is she still married? Maybe I guess they're separated. And she just decided to join like QT Marshall. Uh, they, they've got some storytelling to do to explain what has happened. Got it. But you okay. can, you can do that. After, dude, after Michael Nakazawa, I have faith that they can explain anything. Oh yeah, yeah, and um, I I like the idea, and I think it's a great place for like this new faction to start. You know, taking on the Nightmare Family, killing the natural nightmares. Um, it's a very fo- simple formula. You have Eddie Kingston talking, and then just these four guys assaulting people. Private Party versus Jericho and Hager. They double teamed Hager early until they uh, got Quinn into their corner. Worked to the hot tag with Cassidy, and then they got the heat on Cassidy for a long period of time. Cassidy eventually fought out of the corner. Hager knocked Quinn to the floor, but then he comes back, and they inadvertently set up Silly String to Hager. And then they hit up, they did the, some of the hardy spots with the poetry in motion on Jericho, and then a foot stomp off the top into a reverse neckbreaker on Jericho. And they had Cassidy duck the Judas effect and got this great roll up for a near fall. There's a cutter off the ropes by Cassidy, but he doesn't go for the cover, and the announcers are saying he's wasting time. Cassidy misses a swanton bomb, and this time Jericho hits the Judas effect and pins Isaiah Cassidy in 13 minutes, two seconds. Um, Fine match, um, but to me, I, 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 this one did not approach the uh, the opening tag for me. No, me neither. Um, I thought it was like it would have been a match to me that I think I would have appreciated more. Maybe like two, three weeks later, after like Hager and Jericho have already kind of established themselves a bit more. I, I almost thought it was like two fifty fifty here for Jericho and Hager's debut tag team match. To me, like they needed a big dominant squash type of victory for a first match as a tag team. And I understand wanting to, to protect Private Party. I just wouldn't have gone to this match this week. I would have saved it for later. You know, I, I, I think you have in Jericho and Hager, the moment that they're paired up and uh, announcing that they're entering the tag team division. I mean, it's it's one of the most dominant guys who had like a undefeated streak for a long time in AEW, plus her former former world champion. So I think the perception is already that these guys are going to be unstoppable. And I think the first match you needed to reflect that and putting them in this like, you know, very competitive match where Jericho pretty much like fought from like had to struggle really to like even survive and beat them. It took a bit of that luster away from me. 
Uh, Jericho then attacked Isaiah Cassidy, put him in the walls, and then Quinn attacked Jericho and laid him out with the Pele kick. And to me, this was the only, like, the most significant part of this because by the end of it, uh, I got the sense like they're going to do Jericho and Mark Quinn at some point because he got the best of Jericho at the end of this segment. I mean, I took it to be a rematch for uh, of the Maybe. tag teams. I mean, seems like they're they're going forward with with a tag team situation, but I guess they can break off to to um, singles too. Sure. What if it leads to a cranberry? Flavored mimosa match. Hmm. Cranberry and champagne. Is that a mimosa still? Is that a different Cr- thing? Crampagne. Crampagne. Did you invent a new drink? I think we just, I just, I'm going to trademark that right now. Okay. Thunder Rosa versus Ivelisse for the NWA women's title. We had Hikaru Shida watching from the front row. And they're, they're going back and forth with slaps, chops, Rosa hits a face wash and then goes for the gory special when Diamante gets onto the apron. Very physical between these Mm two. Um, Just like a lot of intensity from the two. Rosa rolls to a cross face and then hits a Death Valley driver for a two count. Ivelisse then uses this cravat, rolls Rosa and lands her kick that she's been winning all her matches with. But Thunder Rosa kicks out. And I thought that uh, the announcers did a very good job of getting that move over and the significance of the kick out. And... Rosa then catches her coming off the ropes with the tombstone and wins in 934. I thought uh, another really great outing for the women and Thunder Rosa continues to be a great addition. And I thought Eva Lee did well to here as well. I agree. I enjoyed this. It was a really engaging match. I thought both of them looked really aggressive. A lot of those shots looked really snug. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought it made the match better. You know, at times this just felt like a straight up brawl. And there were even periods where I wondered, like, how cooperative are they actually being with one another? Like, it wasn't the type of flowing action from, like, a straight-up, like, dance routine cooperative wrestling match. And I thought that made it more real in this case. So I, I enjoyed it. I, I, I continue to really, like, see Thunder Rosa as a real breath of fresh air in this women's division. And then Diamante attacked Thunder Rosa, prompting Hikaru Shida to run in, fighting off Ivelisse and Diamante, sent them away, and then she held up the NWA women's title and handed it back to Thunder Rosa. So I like the fact that they are teasing these two having a rematch down the road, but they will team up first against Diamante and Ivelisse. First match was good. Um, You know, maybe for for some people like, like yourself, John, like dampened by the fact that it came right after the Matt Hardy thing. So um, I think it's a great idea to run it back, and this time for the NWA title. It only makes sense, you know? This person gets the challenge for your belt. I beat you, therefore I get the challenge for your belt next. Uh, I like it. Do you think they do it on Dynamite, or, like, it has to be, or, or I mean, it has to be an AEW, at least. I don't see them maybe, doing it. Maybe the anniversary show. Yeah, yeah, that's a great idea, because I, I don't see them doing it on, uh, on the, the, the Tuesday pay-per-view thing. Well, next week is interesting because on the Tuesday pay-per-view, which I'm assuming is live, it's Thunder Rosa against Priscilla Kelly, and the next the next night they're live in Jacksonville. So, I mean, if the Tuesday thing's live, that means Thunder Rosa has to get from California to Florida. Um, Doable with unless, well, it's like a Tuesday night pay-per-view, um, and then fly, I guess, right out the morning. It's yeah, it's doable. They do their testing in the morning, 
their COVID testing in the morning. Yeah, wow. she'll make it. No, it's just it's uh that's that's quite the trek to have to make uh with back to back shows. Uh, going Champions on. life. It is, I guess so. Uh, also during this, uh, they plugged next Tuesday's uh, one-hour late-night Dynamite. It's going to air after Inside the NBA on Tuesday night on TNT. So uh, the time is kind of to be determined based on when the game ends and then Inside the NBA airs. Uh, but it is going to feature Scorpio Sky against Ben Carter, Brandy Rhodes against Anna Jay, and Matt Seidel versus Sean Spears with Chris Jericho on commentary. And I think like, especially with like Brandy and Anna Jay, you have like storyline implications, but this feels more so like a kind of just a bonus addition. I wouldn't know if it's one that, uh, unless they shoot some angle on it, if it's one that it's absolute priority to have to see, but it looks like a good lineup. I think Jericho on commentary to me is like the biggest draw, but I, I think seeing Matt Seidel, too. You know, they really should have done Matt Seidel versus Michael Nakazawa. Totally. They totally should have done that. I wonder if they taped this before they came up with the idea. Perhaps. Perhaps. But, you know, that's a big bunny match. I think you save that for pay-per-view. Main event. Yeah. So next Tuesday, the game is at 9 p.m. And then there's Inside the NBA. So th- this will be late on Tuesday night. Mm, okay. So, and it will be airing on TSN in Canada as well on uh, one of the channels. Then we had uh, Miro lifting weights with Sabian. Um, and Miro is going to plan the best bachelor party ever for Kip Sabian for next week. They end up like having a whole conversation here about like the dance, the growl, like all this shit. It sounded like a foreign language. And I didn't um, know what they were talking about. I want to thank Mitchell for informing us that Verdansk, Growl, and Car 98 are all Call of Duty modern warfare terms. Oh my so God. It's, it's, it's Twitch comedy. But, you know, in this short segment, like they demonstrated to me actually like some pretty good comedic chemistry here. They're both like douchey Twitch bros. So I don't know whose idea it was to initially pair these two together, but I think it's going to work. You know, they're both, I think, very easily hateable. Um, (laughs) And even in Miro's case, you know, I guess I don't know if like heel would be the right way I would like push Rusev right off the get go or coming off of like, you know, the Rusev day run. But I I mean, I think this could be really entertaining. It's certainly going to elevate Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford, and it'll give Miro a chance to really develop a, a brand new character, perhaps, you know, maybe more authentic to who he actually is. After that segment, we had Lance Archer come out, killed a masked guy in the front row as Jake watched on. He chokeslammed the guy in the ring. And we got Jake and my pick for tag team of the year with his microphone. Would you trade your heroes for ghosts? Exchange all your pleasure for some pain? After all, Aren't they the same? And some people get into bed with someone they don't get along with in movies, TV, and I hear even in politics. So Lance Archer needs two tag partners. And Jake says if he's going to lay in bed with the devil, he may as well lay in the bed with the Tasmanian devil. Come out here, Taz. So the Tasmanian devil came out and explained that they are excited and happy to do business together. 
says it's a deadly trio of Archer, Brian Cage, and Ricky Starks, and reminds them of the deal that when Lance Archer beats Moxley for the title, Brian Cage gets the first title shot. And that is why they are going to team up against Moxley and his two partners next week. I, I enjoyed this. I thought this was great. I mean, come on. Tasmanian Devil. Perfect. Isn't it? Strange bedfellows. Yes. Lovely. Uh, so now I guess we know the reason for those super awkward exchanges between Taz and Jake in the lead up to that battle royal. I mean, they are continuing this association, like, you know, jumping from rivalry now to an association, at least for the six man tag. And I, I love like whenever heel managers are able to strategize and work together. It reminds me so much of like, you know, old Survivor Series when like heel factions have to come in to, together to work alongside to like beat Hulk Hogan or something. But you know, in the end, they're all ultimately just looking out for themselves. And I love the logic of Taz here saying, we're going to help you out here. But when Archer beats Mox, we get the first title shot. Archer says, AEW will have a killer new champion on October 14th. He doesn't care what Eddie Kingston is whining and crying about. He's going to go Godzilla on Daly's place, which for AEW's sake during this pandemic, you better hope they don't. Godzilla on Daly's place. I think the main event accomplish that they yeah this parking lot certainly was yeah moxley uh, yeah i i think it's oh sorry sorry please continue uh just the end of this the second half of it moxley comes out and i don't know if this was a direct play off the fan that tried to attack moxley but hmm. they have ricky starts hidden in the bleachers wearing a mask he's the only wrestler wearing a mask uh and he came down and jumped moxley from behind and Brian Cage shows up. Uh, Brian Cage looked like uh, John Silver on Being the Elite with how tan this guy looked. Uh, And they jump him. Security gets thrown into the chairs. And then coming to Moxley's help, I thought this was great. Will Hobbs with a chair. And this dude was swinging this chair. And he was hitting these like – he was hitting like the the banisters with – Every ounce of power he had, I felt this guy's hands had to just be reverberating with pain from how hard he was hitting this chair onto all these hard objects. But he looked great here. I thought it was a great way to put Will, like, introduce Will Hobbs on TV. You know, immediately continues to give him that spotlight um, coming off of the Battle Royal, and this time putting him in like what is sure to be like a main event level type of tag team match with the AEW champion. I, I thought it was really smart and shows that they have great confidence in Will Hobbs. Yes. So AEW's remake, uh, Hobbs and John will premiere <laughs> next week. And Moxley says his partners will be Will Hobbs. And he knows he's watching at home. Darby Allen, get your ass to Jacksonville. We're going to war. And dude, with that line, I thought they set up this six-man tag. I thought this segment was great to set this match up. They gave you a reason for the heels to be together. You, I think, was a great follow-up to get Will Hobbs associated. He's like the uh, the shooter Umino of AEW now with Moxley, and this guy looked great. I don't know and, if he's that. I don't know if he's okay. the shooter Umino. Like he's not going to walk have, around getting beaten up for Moxley. But he's like he's like Moxley's like you know. Came to his aid here. I thought this was a great utilization of Will Hobbs, uh, who, by the way, signed uh, officially on on Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
great. This was fantastic. It's a great way to heat up Mox versus Archer, along with these side feuds coming off of the Battle Royal for uh, Team Taz. So next week, they announce uh, the six-man Brody Lee against Orange Cassidy for the TNT title. That seems awfully quick to be doing this. Yeah, I mean, it tells me they... I can't see a title change happening this fast. So Just out of nowhere, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Sheeta and Thunder Rosa against Ivelisse and Diamante and Jericho will appear live. So that's next week. Uh, and next week is a live show uh, because that is the show that they're promoting uh, the start of their, their season pass deal. So Okay, cool. That is next week. And then the final match of the night. The parking lot fight outside Daly's place. And they are automatically, or they're already set up in the parking lot. The bell rings. And dude, Santana and Ortiz, these guys need to adopt this face paint. They looked awesome. Yeah, they were wearing the dead president's face paint. It it looked great. I mean, it's a... It looks it, so good. It's special occasion war paint. I mean, and this was the, the final scene of their movie in this feud. This this fight, the crowd is surrounding them. They've got all the like the the wrestlers uh, that were ringside. They've got them out there, which added a lot. That was a good call to have people around. It, Trent, it, I mean, it was just like the Cole versus Dream match. You remember that? Barely, but yes. Yeah, they did that, but like they had a ring there, and this was like I would say it felt more authentic. This was one of the most violent matches we've seen on a wrestling show in a long time yeah. on cable television. Yeah. Trent is smashing the hood repeatedly onto Ortiz with him in it. And then Taylor hits a senton on the roof with Ortiz underneath it. And Trent does his own. Santana pulls out the baton. He's using that. And then Santana, he is driven face first into the passenger's rearview mirror and is bleeding from that. So, like, a bunch of them were bleeding by the end of this. Ortiz gets a a fucking sledgehammer that goes through the windshield, missing Chuck Taylor. Ortiz then delivers a snap suplex to Taylor on top of the car. Everyone is just killing one another. There's a vertical suplex to Ortiz onto a guardrail that's balanced against the car. Trent busts open his right eye. And then Ortiz hits a powerbomb to Trent on top of the car. This was just one. This was a video game. Uh, there's a double team power bomb by Santana on Ortiz to put Trent through the windshield, and within minutes, his back looked brutal. It just had blood like dripping down it. It looked awful. Santana it like then a, get like a wet sponge, you know, that oh you my just God. squeeze like you just soaked up all this cranberry juice and you're squeezing it. It's like, yeah, disgusting. He was in Crampaign. Santana then took Chuck Taylor. He's seated against the car and he's out of it. And Santana gets the lead pipe and he is getting ready to murder Chuck Taylor to end the match. When the car that Chuck is leaning against, the trunk opens and out comes Orange Cassidy to deliver the orange punch on Santana. But wrapped around his fist is a chain. So Santana is out. Cassidy carries Santana over for Chuck to pile drive him on the hood of the car. And then it culminates with Trent hitting the crunchy to Ortiz in the back of the pickup through wood, through plywood. 
and Ortiz is pinned in 13 minutes. This was like the Tupelo concession stand brawl times 100. I think this was, listen, I have always said I'm not the biggest fans of these, but dude, this was as good as you're going to get with these brawls. I think this is a match that is going to be talked about for a long time attached to these four. I I thought you couldn't have pulled this off better if you're trying to do a violent street fight than this. This was insane. You know, like when we talk about some of the the stuff on, on our pro wrestling shows, sometimes like I watch it and I'm like, my first reaction is, this is wrong. This shouldn't happen. Like the Man Hardy thing, perfect example. You know, I felt uncomfortable. This shouldn't happen. I have, I had so much concern for everybody here. So yes. much of this was so completely reckless. And, you know, never mind the terrible cleanup job that this crew is going to have to do to everything here in this, in this Daly's place. All this blood everywhere that they're going to have to mop up and sterilize and all that. But then, like, there are moments when I'm watching a death match and you just turn that responsible adult part of your brain off. And you just give into the bloodlust. And this was one of those times. This match was fucking awesome. Like, it was one of the most violent things I've ever seen on broadcast wrestling TV. I think this was one of the most memorable things AEW has done, this match. Nearly every spot made me gasp. Like, and the sound. The sound of every thud against, like, the car metal was just intense. A really intense war. Like, by far the best thing either team has done in AEW. And I definitely, you know, talked about faults I had with the feud in particular with the best friends being really unable to convey that seriousness and the aggression. And you definitely saw like uh proud, proud and powerful really try their best to heat this thing up their way because they knew the end result was going to look like this, but you see a match like this, the both of these two teams more than made up for it. I mean, Jesus, the amount of punishment they all took. It was spectacular. One of the craziest TV matches of the year. Maybe like maybe I've ever seen. I think like this is like really up there when it comes to like street fights on uh, on a wrestling program. I think that this, yeah, I, t- I think it's like the defining match for these four since their time in AEW. Um, and I think at the end, uh, you know, you had the Cassidy involvement. It's like I-, I didn't even think they needed Cassidy by the end of this, but you know, you got him in. It was a big pop the- for the finish. It was a big pop for the finish. And then if if you want like your what is your freeze frame? Graphic, a la Sammy Guevara running away from the, the cart. Th- you mean the thumbnail for this podcast? It, <laughs> it was the the group of them getting into the minivan, and our closing shot is Sue giving the middle finger. Yes, Santana and Ortiz got sued. <laughs> Wonderful. I mean, this was, a, to me, a very memorable 15 minutes to end AEW with I like listen I have said many times and I don't want to see this repeated in any kind of uh, regular rotation but my god how can you not uh, applaud Uh, like the the violence here it was extremely violent that's what it was made out to be it was a big blow off to a feud and I I seriously think this is going to be one of the more memorable matches in this one year of Dynamite death matches certainly like are are, are not for everybody uh but like when you get it you get it you know and it certainly like makes us it's it makes a hypocrite of anybody who like you know tries to uh criticize any 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 like over over the top risk that people take but 
you know, there's nothing in this match. Well, certainly like some of these pile drivers. Oh, Jesus. I mean, there were no moments where I was greatly concerned about the long-term health of any of the participants in this match. Um, they were going to feel, they probably are feeling a great deal of pain even right now. Um, probably. Yeah, this was a week ago. Yeah. Um, like, I'm sure there's great potential for lasting injury, but there was no moments in this match where I was like, uh, where I felt like this shouldn't be happening. Like this is, this is really, really bad. Like there are moments that I definitely felt like this was irresponsible, but I also felt like they were very controlled. They knew the amount of punishment that they were going to inflict on one another. They knew these spots that they were going to be doing. And I thought, you know, if you're going to take that level of risk, I thought they handled it about as best as they could. So yeah. And it was very entertaining. Yeah. The, the biggest problem I had was just like the the glass, which I mean, just looked like this was not gimmicked at all. And that just to me is, I don't understand why you would never gimmick glass in wrestling. Uh, his back was re- just his back was just sliced up. I don't know why you would wrestle. Period, John. Uh, so it's a different level of people that choose to do all this. Well, that was the show. I thought it was. Um, I, I thought this was like a thumbs up edition of Dynamite. Um, I thought the the first match and the last match those were um, the the big matches for me on on this show. Strong show, I thought. Very yes. Strong. You know, bookended with like two really, really strong matches, in particular the main event, which I encourage everybody to go and check out. Um, unless you you're queasy, then then don't. Uh, but the crowd sweetening on this show sounded fantastic. You know, it sounded like a full crowd, and I think that greatly affected my my enjoyment of all the other matches as well. Uh, Thunder Rosa looked really good in there with Ivelisse. So yeah, good dynamite. Let's go to the forum tonight's show from. All of you got an 8.31 strong rating for mm-hmm. Dynamite. Starting us off is Andy from London. What an entertaining show this was. Once again, it has me awake until 3 a.m. in the UK watching the entire two hours live. I really didn't think there was a bad segment, and there wasn't a minute wasted. Just so much crammed in. I enjoyed Paige Kazarian and Rosa Ivelisse, which both got a good length of time. And the, yeah, bo- both of those matches I didn't mention, but I thought both of those were very good. Um and the setup for next week's six-man was so clever. The storytelling is logical, joined up, and has me hyped for the match. Hands down, my favorite thing was the main event. Just some good old-fashioned plunder fun. Loved it. One final point. To my knowledge, this was the first on-screen appearance of Tony Khan on Dynamite. Do you think that this might be the start of introducing him as an on-screen he, character? He's been on before. He's been in the background before. Yeah, this isn't the first time. Uh, we talked about that. I, at most, like... I could see a super kick spot, but I really don't want to see it. I don't think Tony Khan should be a character. Uh, He should be taking bumps. I don't think it'll look good, first of all. Okay, he's not a trained wrestler. And it just, like, it kind of makes a mockery at that point too much, you know, of of the whole situation. I'm with you. I don't don't want to see it. Um, But, I mean, it's it's like it's Tony Khan that's finding them over and over. Like, what what is this going to? Mm. Uh, Unless they get suspended or something, and that just continues it. But... Um, I hope they don't go that direction. I think that will Remember be Remember when Tony Khan did the stunner in the dark segment? Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, that will not be met positively. So I hope they don't go that direction. We got Alexander from Portland who says, what a main event. Can we give best non-wrestler this year to Sue? I'm not the biggest Hager fan, but putting him in a tag team with Jericho seems like the perfect spot. Jungle Boy impressed yet again. Thunder Rosa showed why she's one of the best women's wrestlers currently. And Mr. Brody Lee and Orange Cassidy ought to be spectacular. Hard to be disappointed with tonight's show. 8 out of 10. 
what do you think of Will Hobbs turning on Darby and Moxley during the tag match and joining Team Cage? Mm, I don't like that idea now. I think Hobbs is like this baby face that's like rising up the ranks. Um, Too soon. And ju- like you're, and, you're just establishing the guy. And that just kind of muddies like your direction of Moxley and Archer. So and Hobbs and wise. Hobbs and Cage kind of fulfill the same role. I mean, you already have muscle on on Team Taz and Hobbs. Like it just waters down both of them. Yeah, I, I like what they're doing with Hobbs now. I, I wouldn't be turning him. Uh, from MJ, it warms my heart that you guys talk about BTE again. Uh, this may have been one of my favorite weekly shows in a long, long time. I think they featured and built Jurassic Express so well that when the booth started talking about whether they could be the first team to knock off the revival, I totally bought in and wanted to see it, knowing that this was a non-title match. Also, even with a very deep roster, that seems talent seems to occupy very unique and different roles, and because they are consistent in the way they book guys. I view somebody like Kazarian as a former tag champion who is a veteran on the roster. Hangman beating him doesn't change this and isn't a squash match for Paige. Kingston has such freedom and creativity of his own promos that are must-see, and guys around him are elevated. Team Taz fits in a scene with Moxley. Sure, Taz gives them legitimacy, and those guys aren't booked like lower-card guys every week either. Uh, mm-hmm. They stick the landing, and tonight's episode was a great way to make me forget about All Out, all out, which was underwhelming. I noticed you missed uh, the most important point of his feedback, John. Well, I got added on the fly here. The way Cowboys are 1-0 and in the post-wrestling fantasy NFL fantasy draft. Oh, so congratulations. You won this week. Thank you for uh, the update, MJ. Joe from Niagara thought this was an amaz- amazing show, tremendous main event. Kenny says, first things first, I thought this was one of the best episodes of Dynamite so far. Great pure wrestling from Paige and Kaz, a very good tag match, a very good women's match, and great promos from a few guys. That said, while I love the main event, someone has to tell these guys when enough is enough. That match was dangerously close to a death match, and if anyone was wondering if AEW learned from the Matt Hardy incident, they didn't. Not only did some of the stuff in the main event feel recklessly dangerous, the other question is, if that's what they put on for a random episode of Dynamite, what can they possibly do to top themselves on a major pay-per-view? If that's the match we get over a comedy angle involving Trent's mom's minivan, what are we going to get when they have a real blood feud to settle? The wrestlers are never going to censor themselves or hold back. Do AEW need the road agents or Tony K himself to start stepping in? Nine out of ten. Well, I'm like we mentioned, I'm certainly not going to disagree with an opinion like that. I mean, you're you're being more of an adult than I am, Kenny. Um, it 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 does continue to beg the question. You know, something could have gone really wrong in that match, and how would we have looked at it? Would we be talking about the show as well as we are right now? I mean, listen, glass aside, um, like, uh, I look a at damn the- crunchy p- pile driver thing on the fucking plywood on the the back of a van. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to be doing you're, like if that's your that's your finish, I mean, yeah, there's going to be a lot of dangerous spots involved uh, for, for for something like this. Um, that's that comes with it as well. Um, you know, you can you can argue if they're going too far with these, um, but at the same time, they're not doing these every week either. Here, here's the other thing, too, is like, you know, like the Matt Hardy situation was bad. I don't think it was bad, in my opinion, because of the spot that they did off the for What is it? Forklift off of the table. I, I thought the spot was bad before the injury. I, I thought mean, it was just if he landed, there, there was no there was no padding. It was like it was a bad conceived spot to begin bumps. with. They've taken more dangerous bumps than that. I mean, we're talking Matt Hardy here, you know, TLC. If he landed fine, if he didn't hit the back of his head, 
we wouldn't be having any of this conversation. My biggest problem with it was the fact that they continued the match after that accident. I mean, these things are, they're, they're going to be accidents, especially when you're doing matches like this. But how you choose to handle it once somebody is visibly, like, unable to perform, that to me is something you can't control. Yes, I think that there is always going to be your degree of danger. And in certain matches, you're going to amplify that. And it's like, that's always going to be, you know, if there was an injury in this, people would be rightfully so uh, upset over it. But that's, I mean, that's a part of this industry is doing these very dangerous matches at times, whether it's, and if it goes well, it's revered as Kurt Angle and Shane McMahon was. And if it goes bad, it's, completely irresponsible and that's kind of the 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 line that you're balancing on yeah it is your turn we go uh let's go to raymond and sacramento i love the women's match between ivalice and thunder rosa and it didn't seem like it was in segment seven so that's a good change of pace for them i'm really happy for will hobbs being thrust into a prominent spot as a former Bay Area resident, I'm happy that all his hard work on Dark has paid off. Having Moxley be the one to introduce Dynamite must be the best feeling in the world for him. And that street fight to end the night. All four of those guys are crazy. While watching, I wondered why they couldn't have taped the big stunt for the Hardy Guevara pay-per-view like this and then had the finish be live. Oh, well, we got a definitive conclusion here and a middle finger from Sue. 10 out of 10 show. Jared says... Verdansk is the name of the city province you drop into in Call of Duty Warzone. Grau is a type of assault rifle you can put in your loadout for Warzone mode. Car 98 is a marksman's rifle. Awesome. Cash from Ajax. AEW consistently delivers a good to excellent TV show every week. I never have any complaints with Dynamite from a wrestling perspective. Having said that, this promotion is definitely missing something. They have a lot of great wrestlers, but no one that I would deem as must-see at the moment. I don't know what you define as must see. Um, I would disagree with that. Like, if you're talking about stars, I think there's quite a few on this show. Must see. Um, I they have a lot of great lessers on the as must see at the moment. I mean, that really depends how much you like AEW, doesn't it? You know, if you don't like it or if you don't, yeah. Um, like to me, somebody like, like, um, like it depends on what the matchup is, of course. But it's like, I think a Kenny Omega is still very much a must-see wrestler. To me, Paige is a must-see wrestler. You know, Moxley, depending on the opponent, is a I mean, they're all, to me, like, really up there. Certainly, like, if I can... If you don't feel any of the AEW wrestlers are must-see, I'd be curious to know if you think any of the WWE wrestlers are must-see. Yeah. He he asked here about, about Kenny Omega and uh, has all the ingredients to become a superstar. Uh, and it's time to start building the show around Kenny Omega. I think you're getting the beginning of that. I think that they were very, I think when they launched and they realized, you know, for the first uh, period, it's going to be built around Jericho. And then we've got Moxley and Kenny Omega was somewhat, definitely not a background player, but he was like, he ended up being fitted into the tag division and ended up having like quite the, like him and Hangman became like, to me, it was just something that caught on and they ran with and were smart to do it. And now you're starting to get the teases of Kenny Omega and building up now rather than doing all the big matches you could right out of the gate. And now you've got this this player that you can ignite and and build up to something big that 
the audience, I don't think they see him as kind of a diminished star. I think they just see someone that's been hanging out the, in the tag division, and now you have the ability to really heat him up as a single star. I think they were playing the long game, you know, knowing that they were going to be employed in this company for years and years down the line. And I think Kenny taking a, a step back from the main event scene allowed somebody like Cody to step into the forefront and, and really greatly like improve his value in the industry and towards the company. And of course, Jericho as well. So I, I thought all in all, it was like fine business decision. Same with the bucks, you know, them taking a step back, allowed other teams to take a spotlight. And now both these things are going to kind of come into their own as fresh acts. I think that's it. All right. Well, thank you everybody for all of your feedback. Uh, Quite the addition of AEW dynamite. You can go on over and download up next. Brain and Davey have a whole review of NXT from Wednesday night. And then on Friday, Wayne and I are back with Rewind to Dynamite. No, Rewind to SmackDown. 10.15 Eastern time for all Cafe members. And of course, a best match ever will be dropping uh, with Braden, I, Braden, myself, and Davey. I'm done, dude. I am done. Uh, hey, hey, uh, I feel we, like I just took a crunchy. Uh, man, yeah. Or uh, Stan Hansen. We're going to be talking about Stan Hansen, and it was a great show. Yes. Uh, look out for that, everybody. Check out the Up Next Patreon. And again, G1 Contest is available for you to enter right now. Get your picks in by Friday evening, because after that, you're out, okay? You can't even win A block, B block. You can't even win C block. Oof. So get your picks in right now. I encourage you to do it tonight, if not tomorrow night okay it's your last chance g1 sale at store.postwrestling.com 25 percent off we haven't had a sale in a long time and we're doing one this friday evening i want to start it probably at midnight midnight friday so saturday until monday at some point i'll end it so it's uh, promo code ujiro promo code ujiro and then go postwrestling.com slash g1 get all of your picks in free to join and you can be the king of the post-wrestling G1 contest. So thank you to everybody for listening, and we'll speak with you later this week.